You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, Reviews, Technology, Associated Products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello everybody, welcome to this week's edition. Um, and this week, I'm joined by Nick. Hello Nick. Hi Simon, good to be back again. Jolly good. And Jim. Hello, Jim. Hi, Dave. And we are joined by Weihan. Welcome back, Weihan. Hello. Hello. Once a year, you went. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be once a year. You're allowed to come on whenever you like, you know. Anyway, there we are. Yeah. yeah. Well, our schedule is usually too, um, too crazy. I know. So, I know. You're a busy man. All that, all that, you know, all that crunch time and, uh, you know, app devs. Yeah. <laughs> Especially now during the, the pandemic and stuff, right? Working from home and then, you know, working with managers that doesn't know how to manage a remote team. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of people can relate to that one. So, um, <laughs> well, I have to say... Uh, uh, earlier in the week, sort of uh, Friday, I was thinking this was going to possibly be titled uh, May Contain No Apple, because um, there was almost no news that wasn't, you know, the usual speculation and what Apple are going to release and all that sort of thing and predictions that any idiot could make. Like, you know, uh, German has predicted um, if the Apple Watch is one millimetre bigger because of its new, you know, purported new shape. Um, there will be new faces that make advantage of the extra screen estate. It's like, really? Come on, any idiot could predict that. There'll be new faces anyway, regardless. If there's a new watch, there'll be some new watch faces. That's a given. Anyway, there we go. So there was not much but that. But then all of a sudden, towards the you know, end of the week and over the uh, start of the weekend, a whole load of stuff popped up. Apple launch! <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> There was a big avalanche, and um, there were yeah, several this things. This is what they call the, um, the bury the lead operation. <laughs> yeah. Like, come, come at once on Friday, and then, you know. <laughs> exactly. So, um, I'm going to kick off this week, actually, with a little bit of feedback. Uh, Ray Thompson, who uh, is new in the Slack and joined us. Welcome, Ray. Um, yeah, welcome, Ray. Yep. Yeah, welcome. He uh he said I've just listened to the latest podcast and I wondered if when you got your Mac back you used Time Machine as you indicated it took a day to set up. If you use Time Machine, it keeps all your settings, including all your additional apps. Now I did I did answer uh, Ray in the Slack, but uh, I thought it was worth mentioning here. Um, when I got my Mac back, I used 
the account migration from my uh, carbon copy clone. Now, in the past, what I would do would be I would boot from the clone, then clone that back onto my machine. But with the M1, that is rather more complicated and um, basically almost actively discouraged. So I used an account migration, and that puts everything back. It does put everything back, all the extensions and everything, all your settings, but on the not M1... Not necessarily in all the right order. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, all the right notes, not necessarily in the right order, as uh, yeah, Eric Morecambe used to have it. But um, what it does do is all those things have to be re-approved because uh, all your services treat it as if it's a brand new Mac. So you have to sign back into um, iOS. All the extensions will you know, demand that you re-approve them. Um, all the cloud services want you to sign back in again. And when I say it took a day, it took about a day before it stopped asking me to do things, I suppose. It wasn't like a solid day of putting stuff back on. I simply um, migrated it, but then you get a lot of stuff. So, you know, for anybody who thinks that, uh, yeah, it actually took me a solid day, it just took a day until various things stopped saying, you need to log in or please verify your account and all those sort of things. But um, there we are. Thank you. Thank you for yeah, that question, when, though. When I use a, uh, when I set up a new Mac, I always set it up from scratch rather than trying to migrate anything from anywhere. I always feel that uh, gives me the least hassle. Uh, but, but you're right. It probably does take a day of, oh, dear, I'm not logged into this, or, oh, dear, I haven't got that account set up, or, oh, I forgot I got, I downloaded that piece of software. Exactly. Um, I, don't, I don't think it uh, makes a lot of odds. So there isn't, a, there isn't a perfect it. way. No, there isn't a perfect way, is there? <laughs> no. Uh, and any time I've done, uh, you know, set up a new Mac, uh, I've done the same thing. I either, I either used um, Migration Assistant and Time Machine, or uh, sometimes use Carbon Copy Cloner to do it. And have had not you know no any any problems, but uh, for some reason I had quite a fair bit of trouble with uh, moving from my, my laptop to the, the M1 Mac Mini. Um, but a few issues as we've talked about before. Um, but I was talking to um, an Apple genius in Glasgow a while back about some something else uh, not related to to the Mini, but. His comment was, um, you should really do a clean install uh, because what you can do is bring over from your backup whatever's causing the problem. That is uh, true. With, yeah. So sometimes that that may be that may be part of the problem you've been having. You've been bringing back in whatever's causing this sleep problem. Possibly, possibly. I mean, if it well, if it happens again, I shall probably. Um... If it happens again, I shall A, be pushing for a new machine, and then B, yeah. I may well, you know, start from scratch. But um, mm -hmm. it, starting from scratch really does take a whole day because you've got to download all the apps and, you know, yeah. enter all your codes and all the rest of it. But um, there we go. We'll, um, we'll, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it doesn't happen again, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And now mm -hmm. I'm being attacked by the dog, which is trying to climb on me. I, I have not um, um, start from scratch on on any Mac for over a decade. No, and, I think the yeah. I think the only time I did it was uh, one time or one of the betas might have been it was a couple of a couple ago might have been thirteen um, was it Catalina um, in the middle of the beta cycle I had a problem and I had to like scrub the whole thing and I thought right well I'm going to take this chance to actually, like, do it all from scratch um, and then make a new yeah, clone. For, for me, 
it is because of the development environment. Well, uh, as you know, I'm a, a developer, and uh, usually development tools are not um, easy to install. No, and, no. I took a look. I took a look at Xcode once, and it was like, yeah, not only was it like about yeah. a six gig download, it was then like, and then do this, and then do this, and then do this, and it's like, well, I haven't really got any need for it, so I'll pass. <laughs> yeah. And- Xcode is just one of the tools of course, yeah. You know, you've got all your GitHub repository things and versioning yeah, tools. It will, and... it will take me like at least at, at the minimum half a month to get it done. Mm. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I, I can understand that. I mean, um, the same, you know, um, when I was at work, the, the amount of tools <clears throat> that you need to install. Um, you know, people think, oh, well, if you work in graphic design, you've probably got to do, you know, download your Adobe apps and away you go. Well, no, not quite, because there's a million no, other not, apps you have. You know, you've got yeah, font managers just, and um, all the know, plugins. Even if, uh, even if it's just uh, the Illustrator, uh, you probably have uh, quite, a, quite a lot of plugins and stuff. Exactly. Right? Yeah, there's plugins and extensions and... And brushes and, and all know. sorts of stuff, all sorts of stuff, and yeah. it can take an age. So yeah, you tend not to do it unless you absolutely have to. Not quite the same on my um, personal machine, but I've still got a lot of stuff. Anyway, there we go. So um, while we while we're talking <laughs> while we're talking about that sort of stuff, um, have you had much interaction with iOS fifteen yet, Weihan, or is that sort of um something that doesn't no, really not, come not on your desk? Much. The the, during this time, unfortunately, the the this this is the the thing about the company that I work for. During this time, it is the financial closing, and usually, fin- financial closing is the most busiest time in in the company. Yeah, and <clears throat> it is um very unsafe to install a beta willy nilly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's <laughs> it's usually unsafe to install betas willy nilly. Full stop. Why um, it's just yeah. that I'm a <laughs> I'm a loon <laughs> and live out yeah, on the edge. The, the thing is, if your um, work does not depend on it, it's still it's still fun, right? Yeah, well, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But when my work depends on it, I I can't really just install anything. No, I don't. So, I don't blame you. I, I don't blame I, you at yeah, all. Yeah, I I tend to be a bit conservative on that end. But I, the the yeah, the thing I got from iOS 15 is mostly from the the keynote in WWDC. That's fair enough. Um yeah. we got a couple of stories about that uh, actually obviously um I don't know if you followed it there's been the whole you know um Safari um hoo ha oh, yeah. with the you know what they announced is now is nothing like what's going to ship because I've got the um, the latest beta, I think, came down on Friday with some more very minor changes uh, that I can find. There might be other things. Although it did, I have now got an interesting bug, um, an interesting sort of semi-bug, I suppose, uh, that in Slack on my iPhone, if I, um, you know, I'm in Twitter or news or whatever, and I do uh, share a story to Slack, uh, the share sheet comes up and it, it says, you know, what Slack do you want to share to? So I go, Essential Apple. And then it says, you know, what um, what room do you want to share it to? Now, normally you tap that and it shows you a list of all the places you can share it, which is all the individual um, 
contributors or members and all the all the channels. Um, and I have to say, some time ago, they stopped putting the channels at the top, which is really, really annoying because um, instead of having the channels at the top and then all the individual users below that, now, you know, I have to scroll. If I want possible stories, I have to scroll all the way down through the list of people until I get to P, which is very annoying. But anyway, um, the latest thing is when you go to tap on the channels, uh, you know, share to channel or person, it's blank. There's nothing in there. So you have to start typing in the search field and then um, it will appear. I've reported that, but that's an you know, interesting new thing that's appeared in the latest the latest beta just to prove that things don't go smoothly even at the end of the cycle. A couple of problems I've had with um, public beta 7 um, in Safari. Um, you can put in a, a legitimate uh, web address and you'll, it'll come up with an error message as if the domain didn't exist any longer. Um, your con- contact, whatever it is you have to contact. But if you go into, um, say, Firefox or any other browser you have on the, the uh, iPad, the rest comes up perfectly, you know, perfectly good. You, you actually get all the, you know, you get the correct page and everything. But for some reason, Safari is hitting this this, this problem. The other, the other thing I've got a problem with is with the virtual keyboard. Um, so you, say you scroll that you pull down to get the search bar. You want to type in what you, you see. You could look for an app. Um, you type in the the address or the name, whatever. The keyboard's blank. You just get a grey a grey bar at the bottom. Oh. That happens quite quite often. So that's a couple of bugs I've had. I don't, um, um, I don't use the the search from the kind of um, what is it today or widget page. I must admit I don't use that very much. So I've not mm-hmm. come across that, and I've not come across any issues in Safari. But I'm just wondering, do you have do you have the private relay turned on? I think I do, yeah. yeah. Be- because um, the re- we've got a story about that, but um, the private relay is now going to ship, apparently, in iOS 15, but as a public beta, because mm-hmm. there are issues with certain websites not being able to validate your, um, your request, because mm-hmm. they because it's broken the link between you, the direct link between you and the website. Mm-hmm. I've seen so some... So, so what's that you have to... What was that again that you said there that switched on? Or so? Uh, so if you turn, if you try turning off the um, the private relay function... Right, private relay. If you turn that off, that may fix that problem. Okay, let's get that. I can't try. guarantee it, but I've read some reports that some websites mm-hmm. don't like it. Yeah, carry on. Uh, we'll have a look at that. Okay, right. So after that one, shall we move on? Um, after all the hoo-ha about you know Apple are going to uh, scan quote unquote your uh, pictures for you know CSAM material, um, Apple have said that they actually already scan iCloud Mail for CSAM material, but not your photos. Um, because at the moment they don't. But unsurprisingly, just like everybody else, they have been scanning for CSAM material for some time. Um, uh, The clarification followed me querying a rather odd statement by the company's anti-fraud chief that Apple was the greatest platform for distributing child porn, which immediately raised the question, if the company wasn't scanning uh, iCloud photos, how could it know this? There were a couple of other clues that Apple have been doing some kind of CSAM scanning. 
emphasis hours. Apple is dedicated to protecting children, blah, 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 blah. Uh, our software pro platform and throughout our supply chain. As part of this commitment, Apple uses image matching technology to help find and report child expl exploitation. Um, our systems use electronic signatures to find suspected child exploitation. There we go. Um, so they've been doing that for some time, which doesn't surprise me in the least. I mean, the biggest thing, as far as I can see, is what they're doing is they're saying that what they're going to do is going to be on your device and not in the cloud. Um, so there we are. I don't think we've got much to say about that, really, have we? Um, yeah, the, the thing is the a lot of other companies are also required to do some, uh, this, uh, at least in the US, isn't it? Yeah. Like, this is some... This is some kind of law that is, um, uh, you know, implemented in the whichever country that is. Uh, exactly. They have to comply. Uh, and it's not just Apple, but for some reason, when Apple does it, it's like, oh, you know. I, <laughs> oh. Yeah, I know. I think a lot of it is partly that their messaging was somewhat bungled. And I personally put that down to the fact that somebody leaked the information before they were ready to announce it. And yeah, likely. Yeah. And also a lot of the hoo-ha is about the fact that they're saying it will be done on your device. And people are like, well, Apple shouldn't be messing about on my device. But actually doing it on your device is actually more private for you than them doing it in the cloud. And nearly everybody that I've spoken to says, you know, Dougie said it, I've said it, several other people have said it, uh, you know, the ATP boys have said it on the Accidental uh, Tech Podcast. You know, this looks like a preliminary move before then saying we are going to completely encrypt iCloud end to end so that we can't have anything to do with anything that you put in the cloud at all. Um, so, you know, there we are. Uh, and yeah, Weihan, you know, all the others have been doing it. Uh, some pr probably Google and Facebook probably do it worldwide. I suspect most of them do it worldwide. Um, and the other thing is people keep making this, you know, big thing about this Apple CSAM, but at the moment it's only going to be in the US. Um, yeah. Which you know, yeah. I, I must admit, I must admit the the conversation about it just, I just feel like saying, look, we all share lots of stuff on the internet. Enough, move on. <laughs> yeah, well, people, are... we all give away lots of information on the internet, so just it just happens. Don't worry yeah. about it. Just move on. <laughs> the other thing is, yeah, lots so, of people uh, are still. I, I, do, uh, I do get the impression that you know those people who are um, up in arms are typically thinking about it in uh, in from the direction of um, you know what if the the recognition engine right made a mistake it's not you know it's not anything remotely child pornography but i get reported anyway and it's going to bring me hassle and stuff like that yeah so I, I think you know that there, there are there are cause for concern because uh in terms of uh ai and stuff right apple has ne um has not been like the shining star you know so yeah the, yeah, you know, I understand the, the concern, but, you know, at, at least it's doing it on the device. It's not like doing it on the server side. And, uh, you know, um, some might argue if they do it on the server side, uh, someone can actually go in and, you know, take a look at the actual data and, and stuff. But that is another can of worm, right? Yeah. You know? 
So that, there's there's no there's no good way of doing this. Whenever uh some some kind of feature like this, right? There's going going to be problems. And you know, if we if we want this kind of um um you know protection for our children and stuff, yeah, you know, there's bound to be some mistaken, you know, um, uh, false positive or whatever, and that this is just the way the way technology works. Well, and, the other you know. the other thing is that I mean, there were the two parts. There's the one about the you know children and using iMessage, which is going mm-hmm. to use image recognition. But as Apple was saying, none of that information will ever go to Apple or anybody else. The child, you know, gets a warning saying. Are you really sure you want to look at this, or are you really sure you want to do this? And if they're under thirteen, they'll get another one saying, "If you do this, we might tell you. You know, we'll tell your parent." But this is. Yeah, but the the the, the current um, issue is that they are uh, talking about it uh, in a sense that if you have um, certain number of hits, let's say the and yeah, but, but that's someone only, will but that's yeah, only someone will have a, a way to verify something like a low res image, yep. yeah, to verify, and then from there, uh, they're going to do you know reporting if it's verified, right? But you've you've so, got to get you know you've got to have thirty or forty hits before they can yeah. even look at it. So if you've got thirty or forty hits, the chances of all of those being false positives are minuscule. Yeah, Apple, Apple, Apple are saying yeah. one. Apple attain one in a trillion, but you know, yeah, there we go. But it can happen, right? Even one in a trillion. Yeah, but I think I'm I'm happy with it. I don't, you know, I I'm with Nick on this one. There's a lot of people, and a lot of the people who are making the fuss are still conflating it and saying, "Oh, you know, what if I get reported to Apple for having pictures of my children in the bath?" And it's like, no, you're not going to, unless it's already registered as a an illegal child abuse image it's never going to be a match so anyway there we are um so uh, moving on from that a bit i've got a, a, a link here um to the accidental uh tech podcast a particular section in episode 445 uh where the guys talk about um the technology and so on behind it and particularly the fact that uh some researchers said they reverse engineered it and managed to create these images that match the hashes even though they're just the visual noise but um it's worth a listen it's worth a listen if you're interested in that sort of thing um so just to give you a quick just to give you a quick update i switched off private relay and tried uh web address and safari and it made no difference so okay all right well yep. then best okay. do more feedback more feedback from you then jim to the to the mm-hmm. uh to the apple team yep. um mm-hmm. as i just mentioned earlier icloud private private relay will be offered as a public beta this is apple world today and various other places um and i believe the reason they give is when it opens for me um Mac rumors have noted that the iCloud private relay will be included in iOS 15, but it will be provided as a public beta rather than a finalized edition. Um, According to Apple, iCloud private relay is a service that lets you connect to virtually any network and browse with Safari in an even more secure and private way. Um, Right. Okay. They don't actually mention any more in there, but other articles I've read have basically pointed out that some services don't like it and don't work properly. So Apple are currently going to offer it as noted as a beta. Um, 
about all there is to say about that, really. Um, interesting. I just find it interesting that this this um, version of iOS, you know, they rolled back a lot of the proposed changes to Safari, um, which now does not look anything like the uh, the version that they put forward at WWDC. Um, the uh, you know tent pole feature of uh, was it uh, you know what was it the share with me kind of thing? Watch the I forget what they called it. Um, over FaceTime, yeah. watching watching films together. Yeah, watching films and listening yeah. to music and sharing screens and whatnot. That's been put back because um, there's, that's obviously not up to scratch. And um, private that's relay. Un- that's not particularly unusual, though, is it? I mean, we have had. We have had releases where they've held back stuff. Cause oh, yeah, we have. Ready. Yeah, it's not. So it's this not, isn't an unusual it's event. Not, it's not just... particularly unusual. It's just that this one it seems to be like three tentpole features. Uh, you know, one's been changed almost beyond recognition. One's being released but marked as beta and one's being held back. I mean, we've had we've had features held back before. But I yeah. don't think I can remember a time that either so many or such big tentpole features have been. I mean, I know um, shared links from iCloud was one that got held back a, a couple of point releases a, a while back. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. not that unusual. And if you're going to do a yearly release, there's always going to be a point with that. If you know, if you're not going to do ludicrous crunch time and then end up with the cyberpunk game issues where you ship something that's not really fit for purpose. There are yeah. going to be times where you have to say, no, don't ship that yet. It's not ready. It's not unusual for them not to ship things after you know, showing it on a keynote or a WWDC. Uh, but it's it's very unusual for them to uh, revamp something like Safari and actually make it harder to use than the previous version, which yeah. I feel has happened with this version in iOS 15. Um, yeah. It's much, it's, it, it's, not like, it's not a life or death. Uh, Kind of thing, but uh, it's, it's just it's so hard to get to a web page now. And your bookmarks, you've got to go, you've got to click the ellipse, and you've got to find it at the bookmark uh, folder, and then get your page. Whereas previously, the folder was there. Um, it made it made it much more difficult. But what I would, would like to see is some consistency between Safari on the Mac, Safari on the, the iPhone, and on the iPad. They're completely different. Yes. Well, they, yeah, but they're going to be completely different, aren't they? Because they're different touching. One's a touch interface, and the other's not a touch interface. So I, I, it yeah, but it makes sense that they're different. Yeah, but the, the, between iOS, between the iPhone and I, the iPad, uh, they're completely different. Yeah, that is. I, I think that's possibly why they diverged. You know, the iPad OS and the, the phone OS mm-hmm. a little while ago. I mean, on the iPad. So is this is this only in iOS fifteen? Because I I'm not. Maybe it's that I don't use stuff very very much to the. You know, I, I'm not noticing any differences up to fifteen. So no, no, obviously I've been. Obviously I've been. Carry on. Sorry. Well, okay. Yeah, I I just what I'm saying is perhaps it's just the way you use it that highlights the differences because I don't notice the differences. The, uh, well, in fifteen, the differences are more pronounced. Although Apple have okay. rolled have rolled a lot of them back, um, and also the the version of um, Safari on my iPhone is bears no recognition to the first version in like in the first beta that I had. It doesn't look anything like it at all. It's completely different. Um, 
and but for those of us who haven't seen the beta, um, are, are you no. saying it will actually look more like we expect it to? The main change, if you don't uh, alter it in the preferences, will be that the URL bar is now at the bottom of the screen on the phone. Okay. Um, that's, uh, yeah, that's a bit weird. But... but you get used to it, and it's actually quite nice. I've, I've said before, you know, in reality, why is the URL bar at the top of the screen on the phone? Well, because, you know, traditionally, browsers have that's the URL be at the top. But actually, yeah. on the phone, that doesn't really make a huge amount of sense. Uh, you know, I can see it being makes more sense on on the iPad because the iPad yeah. with its bigger screen, especially in uh, landscape mode, is much more like a traditional browser. But the Yeah, I on, think on, the truth I think the truth is I probably don't use the browser much on the phone. Oh, so. well yeah that's also the but you won't I do see it much more I use the iPad much more. So. Yeah. You won't see any change until you get iOS fifteen. Right. And on the Mac on the Mac you'll only see the changes if you're using the technology preview, Safari technology preview or Yes, I've had a look at that. I didn't again I didn't think it looked particularly different from what I was expecting. But no. then perhaps my usage is fairly basic, so and again, they... you know, I, I'm not trying to use share sheets and things. And, no, and, well, and you know, you will, that kind of thing. You, you would notice it less. But the, the original, again, the original version was horrible, basically. <laughs> but again, they rolled most of that back. So it's not, you know, if you, if you were to go onto the beta now or download Safari Technology Preview, you would not go, oh, my God, what the hell is happening here? Whereas in the early betas, it, it was. It was like, what are they doing here? This is a mess. Um, but there you go. Um, I just I just found found that interesting. Um, hmm. Let me point out um, my observation. you're breaking up a bit, Weihan. Uh, um, oh, have we lost him? Are you doing the backup or something? I think he's going for the phone, and, um, iPad OS for the iPad. So it continuing the what I said last year. Um, I think the the lines are being more prominent uh, this year. That the 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 iPad is going probably going to be much closer to the Mac than than the phone. That's you know yeah. Uh, I, and I, I, we are starting to see a prominent uh, line between you know the the phone and the iPad and the Mac. Yeah, I I think so. I, I think you're right yeah. there. So the, this is kind. This is still kind of interesting um, for me. Uh, to me, as um, a developer, that you know, the in in the future, are we going to uh, see like you know, phone and then uh, you know the other category, which is uh, Mac plus iPad, or you know, is it going to be still two category? That that is the interesting question that I'm I'm still thinking about. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, you know yeah. whether we are con- we are going to continue to see this, or are we going to one day see Apple, you know, releasing device like the Surface, right? The, the Microsoft Surface. 
Yeah, I've said for some time now that um, uh, iOS and Mac, Mac OS will eventually all merge together into one system. Um, you know, the, 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 when they brought out the, the M1 version of the, the iPad, this is what I've got here, um, to put such a powerful chip into it and then handicap it with iOS uh, or, or iPad OS, um, there's got to be something down the road that will eventually allow you to run, you know, well, um, uh, I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to say here. Um, well, I... You wouldn't give the iPad as much power if you're not going to be doing something like that, wouldn't I thought? I, I'm with Weihan. I think over time, although the, the iPad OS will stay separate from the Mac OS, I don't think they're ever going to put Mac OS on an iPad. But I think you'll find that the <sighs> Mac OS and the iPad OS will begin to overlap ever more because they will you know uh with that power they can do a lot more with the ipad os than they have done to boot well, in, in, in theory if you think about it you should be able to run um some of the apple apps for um what, what, what we got uh what's the video editing software they have yeah yeah the you, final you should, cut Final yeah, you should. You, yeah. I would think you you should be able to run it on the iPad because it's got the power. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. I don't think I don't think it's a matter of power though. It's a matter of usability. Um, yeah, but the, the what, question, what, what I'm trying the to question, think, what I'm trying to see is uh, possibly possibly what happens is that the apps will actually be interchangeable with both devices, the Mac and the iOS. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's quite possible. I still think mm. there will be a different interface. Right. Yes. To, to those features, because the problem the problem we all know that that Microsoft have had is trying to make something that was designed for a mouse work with you know your big chubby fingers. Yeah. Well, well, well was mentioning there about um, the Surface Pro devices. Um, were, you, were you were you suggesting that uh, that's what will happen with the iPad or something similar to the iPad? Um, well. Let, let me make a bold prediction again. <laughs> oh, jolly good. We like bold predictions. <laughs> I, I feel that the iPhone is going to remain on iOS while the iPad OS uh, and the iPad is going to uh, uh, morph into something that uh, would eventually and slowly but eventually will take over uh, all the functionality that a Mac can provide, right? Mm. And then we will probably see a uh, end of uh, uh, Mac, and uh, the iPad probably is going to take over the whole product line. So this is my prediction. Oh wow! I actually, I I could see that, and I mean over you know five to ten years, I could possibly see that. Obviously, they it need may take more than ten years. Uh, yeah, but I feel that eventually this is going to happen. Well, see, I I can see that. The Mac and the iPad OS, um, you know, merging ever closer together. And I guess in the point you could then say, right, well, you know, the Macintosh is a yeah. tiny p- proportion. And if you can build, um, you know, you could still have an iMac of the future, but it's running this, you know, new hybrid OS, whatever it's called. Um, no, I, I think my my line of thinking is more like um, the iPad will gain functionality. Yes. Uh, either through uh, a new paradigm of, uh, or maybe a slight 
shift of paradigm with the touch interface and maybe something like the Surface uh, Surface Pro or whatever with that uh, attached keyboard and the trackpad. But it, it, whatever, um, whatever the form is, it's going to uh, be more powerful. And at some point, it will uh, be able to do all the things you can do on the Mac. And the, the thing is, my prediction is that it's not so much as merging the iPad OS and the Mac OS. It's more uh, towards the demise of the, the Mac OS, right? Or yeah. The iPad gain uh, its um, uh, power and um, you know popularity. At some point, the Mac will just drop out and then we'll only see um, you know, Macs in museums. Right? <laughs> Here's my prediction. iPad Pro and the Mac become one. And the iPads and iPhones become one. And the, the distinction between the two is the iPad Pros and the Macs are for the pro people with all the pro software um, and the rest is for everybody else. Also a possibility. All, yes, you know, all very interesting, you know. Uh, but of course, in the end, only Apple know what will happen and we have to get there the long way round. <laughs> yeah. And the folding phone. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> Hang on. Hang on, what's that? Yeah. What did you what, what did you just mention there? The folding phone. No way. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, let's move on. Let's move on. Couple of quick ones. Apple reportedly yeah. will increase iPhone 13 prices to compensate for increased chip production costs. Um, uh, hold on, hold on, Simon. Yes. Uh, I'm thinking we uh, move the Tim Cook part up because uh, there's some relation to what we are talking about in terms of the, the okay. how the hardware and stuff is evolving, right? <clears throat> the um, uh, Okay, um, can you summarize? Uh, which, which one did you want to move to, Weihan? The how Tim Cook. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, How Tim Cook has changed Apple in the last 10, oh, in the 10 years he's been CEO, um, which is uh, Morning Brew. Uh, Never heard of them, but um, uh, Apple did a much better job finding its next leader than Jeopardy. Yeah, all right. That was a bit of a pointless subhead, wasn't it? Okay. Uh, what did your partner get you for your 10th anniversary? Chances are it's a little less generous than the $750 million Tim Cook is receiving from Apple as the final tranche of a pay package he secured when he was promoted in 2011. Um, uh, here we go. Under uh, under Tim, Apple did a much better job. Um, Apple's market capitalization has grown 600% to $2.5 making it the most valuable company in the world. Apple's annual revenue when Cook took over was $108.2 uh, In 2020, it made it uh, $274.5 um, Apple was the most profitable company in the world in fiscal 2020. Um, while the iPhone reigned supreme, Apple has expanded its hardware lineup. Uh, with hits such as the Apple Watch, AirPods, uh, services, Apple Pay, Apple Music, a unit which uh, brought in $17.5 billion in revenue in the last quarter, which is nearly half of iPhone sales. Um, and whilst leading these initiatives, Cook has been part of a growing number of CEOs who are speaking out on social and political uh, issues. 
criticising uh, President Trump's hardline stance on immigration and defending LGBTQ rights, as Cook was the first openly gay CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Um, there we go. So that was that. Uh, that Tim's uh, 10 years. And uh, to go with that, um, apparently Tim Cook wants to oversee one more major new product category before he steps down. Um, because, as we know, in an interview recently, when he was asked if he would still be he- head of Apple in 10 years' time, he said probably not. So, um... Yeah, the the thing I, I that caught my eye is the... The second article, right? Yes. He wants to oversee one more major new product category. So the question is, is it going to be AR glasses or is it going to be the car? <laughs> the car. No. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, way I, I, the way I look at it, I feel that they can, uh, they can be closer to the AR um, glasses or whatever um, AR you know, new paradigm that you know uh, they can come up with, right? Then a car. The and if you look at the the um, I, I I remember hearing this from uh, what's his name? Uh, what was that? The man. What? 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 Do you remember? Do you remember a podcaster uh, something? Uh, the podcast name, I think, is Critical Something. Was it? Uh, yeah. It, uh, uh, it is the one that uh, keep talking about the uh, job to be done and then the disruption stuff. And yeah. apparently, he uh, started what? He actually asked permission from uh, Gruber to you know, make his own podcast. Do you remember who that was? Um, no, I don't write this moment. Um, anyway, let's, let's carry on. We'll, it'll come, it might come to us while we're talking about it anyway. Yeah. So, okay. The, what, I, what I've uh, learned from his uh, podcast is that, uh, uh, that every major leap uh, in, in the um, uh, computing industry is uh, uh, enabled by a new input paradigm, right? Yes. At first, it was the the um, the those computer with a deep switch. Those switch you you flip on and off to program the 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 computer, and then came the keyboard. And after the keyboard came the mouse. And after the mouse, for a long time, it stays uh, a mouse. And and then now we have the touch paradigm, right? So what is the next, uh, you know, era in the computing thing? I'm pretty sure it's going to be enabled by another uh, um, the change in the, the input paradigm. So the what is on the horizon so far is, you know, um, this AR, um, you know, kind of interface, right? So that that probably is something that uh you know either either that or all the rumors about cars so i'm putting my bet more on the ar stuff could could be could be uh, ar in the car <laughs> <laughs> that's a catchy one yeah <laughs> that is not a real car that's a simulator <laughs> i 
I'm with you, Weihan. Um, we know the car is a thing, you know, because you see all the regulatory filings and all the rest. But I still think um, that that's a fair way out. And we've, you know, Apple have never said anything officially about it. Obviously, you know, stuff leaks. We know that they've got vehicles, you know, around um, Cupertino because they, you know, they've got X number of quote unquote autonomous vehicle, uh, you know, registered with the highways department. They've got all, all, you know, we know they've hired car people. We know they've got people working on <coughs> Project Titan, quote unquote. But I, because Apple have never mentioned it, I still think that's a long way out. Um, yeah, I think it will be an AR because if it was a car, you would have thought you would have heard and seen uh, information about production or pre-production vehicles on the road. Yes, um, we've never heard of any or seen any. No, we have. Uh, Apple's very good at keeping it secret, but it doesn't exist. I think my, uh, I think if I had a choice, I don't mean between those two. If I had a choice about what. I'd like to see Tim do before he goes. I think, uh, to quote Jim, who quotes this very often, I'd like to see Apple get back to It Just Works. Mm-hmm. Because I think we've we've got so lost in the complexity of it all that often it doesn't just work. And I'd, I'd like to see Apple make some efforts to help the beginners along uh, to... to Make it as simple as possible to do things. Because I, I think Apple, I think Apple have got a little bit away from that. I'm not saying that what they've done is wrong. I'm just saying that there were things about the Mac when I first came to it that I thought, oh wow, I wouldn't have thought that would have worked, but it did. And I, I, I think I'd like to see. I don't know. So that's very unspecific. But no, that's but what that's, I'd like that's, to see. yeah, that's a that's a good thing. I get a feeling that that's not really likely to happen. Might happen under a new leadership, but I don't think it's likely to happen. That's not, yeah, it's not the direction they're going now. So, um, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, you can, you can see that with uh, Johnny Ives going. There's a change in direction and design. So it's going to take Tim Cook to go before we'll see any major shift, I think. Yeah, because, um, you know, like all corporations, they have a, a... And part of the thing, I think... And I don't know what Wayharm thinks about this, but I think part of the part of the problem with achieving what you're talking about, uh, Nick, is it gets ever harder for people who've spent their, you know, 30 years or whatever working in tech to put themselves back in the position of being 12 years old yeah. and confront, confronted uh, with a the, computer. At the same time, it, isn't this something that AI should be able to do for us? Yes. So isn't isn't the whole point of AI that it should be able to say, oh, what you're looking for is this, and yes. then give us, gives it us. Yeah, yeah um, but the, the so. problem with AI is that it's not exact. Right? Um, you know, uh, also answering the, the question that, you know, what do I think about, you know, whether someone that has been using a computer for, say, like 20 years, can they go back to be a newbie? The question, the, the, the answer to that is very difficult, right? Uh, I you can't even uh, go back like a few days before you've learned how to do some um, you know difficult task. It, it is the uh, difficult to imagine someone who have never used it before coming in like what they are thinking. The the best we can do is like you know pay a lot of attention to that and uh, you know try to um, uh, guess what a new uh, user might be thinking. Right? And the the other the other way to um, overcome this is to do uh, 
uh, usability test. Yes. Then, uh, but the the software that we write today, right, is because because of this um, industrial cottage, uh, the, the sorry, the cottage industry that um, has been created around these um, phones and iPads and stuff. Um, a lot of them are not really uh, app developers, right, or or even programmers by trade. Uh, because it becomes so easy and people starting to produce like, you know, uh, tons of, tons and tons of apps. But the, the problem is that, you know, they, they do not have the, the training. They do not have the, um, you know, the know-how to do, or even the resources, right? If you are, indivi- if you are an independent developer, how do you uh, do a usability test? Because the proper usability test, you know, even requires like something like a lab where camera are pointing at the user and the screen uh, to observe how they use the app and you know where they stumble. And yeah, know. I don't, I don't think I don't think I expect developers to be held to the same standard. In all honesty, um, yeah. I, I understand. I understand that developers. I understand that sometimes developers work in different ways, and sometimes they produce an app that works well, and sometimes they don't produce an app that works yeah. well. What, what I'm talking about is the underlying OS and the underlying support for 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 for, for those developers um, needs to work in an intuitive way. Um, and I just feel that Apple have strayed, shall we say, from it. Sometimes things aren't as intuitive as they might be. No, yeah, I, so I, I agree with that. I, I was about to get to that point too, right? Um, so the uh, about the the underlying uh, OS, right? The the issue with simplicity is that is also uh, uh, in another way it can be mean uh, lacking, right? Uh, the more feature we build onto something, uh, be it an app, uh, operating system, or you know, when we put more feature into it, the complexity of it uh, goes up tremendously. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that because I mean, I used to work for an IT company, and um, yeah. so I, I, I can remember having discussions with um, with developers uh, uh, and that us talking about making changes and them saying yeah but our our dev environment is four steps behind our production environment (laughs) and um uh, and we can't just sort of copy one across the other because that won't work um so yeah i understand the complexities well i understand a little bit about the complexities of development um but uh but my my yeah I, i would still like i would still like to be have that little that that um sort of new user excitement about the way something works and just say oh oh okay <laughs> that's brilliant the the interface part uh yes i do agree uh in a sense that it has become uh slightly overly complicated but um, also i agree that um what apple is doing is also kind of in the wrong direction in a sense that uh they look at simplicity, like say for example, uh, this iCloud. Right, you you have you have um, uh, app or some some kind of feature that uh, you know sync across um, you know device uh, with the iCloud uh, with iCloud, and sometimes that somehow will fail. And when it fails, 
you all you can do is you can stare at the screen as much as you like. There is no <laughs> way for you to trigger to say, "Hey, damage sync now." <laughs> no, <laughs> right? And there, there is no way for for that to to happen. And, and I, their, I got... their idea of simplicity is that no interaction. Right, that is simple. But no interaction also will cause something like uh, you know a situation that gets stuck. And when it gets stuck, that because there is no interaction, you cannot fix it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I've got I've got a real world example of that right here in front of me, which is yesterday. Um, I was having a text conversation with uh, a colleague of mine, and we were you know trying to organise to meet up. Um, and when I switched to uh, messages on my Mac, uh, it was about four or five messages behind, and I've just opened it now. And the me- I, the messages that we exchanged yesterday um, on the phone are still not on the messages app on my Mac, and it right. will not. And what can I do? Right? It's supposed to magically be correct, and when it's not, there's nothing I can do. So. Yeah, iCloud particularly is one of those areas where you know it. It's a little bit like a little black magic box, and yes, we just it is. Hope it works, and when it doesn't work, you're a bit stuffed. So there we go. Yeah, I, I get that a lot in photos. Um, you know, my photographs on uh, the iPhone. You open up an iPad, and it takes forever to upload them. You know, to update the the library. Mm. The, yeah. the, the old saying, K I S S. Yep. Is, is the way to go. Keep it simple, stupid. Yep, there we go. So, uh, shall we press on? Shall we press on? Uh, uh, let, um, let me uh, do a uh, uh, real-time update. The the person that I was thinking of uh, earlier is uh, Horace Dedio. Oh, right. Mm. Yes. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> His uh, podcast is uh, Critical Path. Yes, there you go. Well done, Weihan. Told you it would come to you eventually. Yeah. There we are. Well, it, you uh, know, do, you mind if, uh, do you mind if we take a break now, actually? No, not at all. Not at all. I wouldn't mind a cup of tea. Yeah, actually, I was thinking that. Let's take, let's take a five-minute break for a cup of tea. All right, sounds good to me. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So, having refreshed ourselves with new mugs of tea, we shall press on. Um, the big story, which I think broke uh, Friday, is that Apple have made changes to key App Store rules in response to a class action lawsuit from developers. Um, we're not going to press into great depth on this because no doubt it will be appealed and go on and on and on. Um, basically, Apple have made some changes to the rules which will allow uh, de- developers to contact um, customers directly, like via email or whatever, to tell them that they don't have to, uh, you know, purchase their subscription through uh, an in-app purchase or whatever. Um, 
there's some other changes, technical changes, very little, to be honest. Um, I mean, we have talked about this before, haven't we? We were saying that that's probably the weakest area of their argument. Mm. So so by do, making these changes, they are actually sort of effectively getting but rid of the thing that... The steering well, thing, as it's called, steering. However, um, yeah. you will still not be allowed to mention it in-app. So it's uh, that's not, not so good. Not much. It's not much of a, a concession right at the moment. Um, right. Okay. So they can only. Uh, yeah. I'd still like to see them being yeah. saying. You know, you can subscribe here if you wish. Yes. Um. So basically, I've got a whole load of stories here, and I won't really go into them all. If you're interested in reading in it, unsurprisingly, the uh, Coala- coalition for app fairness, which is Epic and Spotify and some others, are not happy and say it's a sham. Um, and they'll be, you know, pressing on. Um, iPhone in Canada says developers are not happy with Apple's newly announced App Store changes. Uh, basically, what that adds up to is lawsuits will no doubt continue. And uh, some people think it's, you know, a small step in the right direction. Other people are saying they've effectively given up nothing. So, But I'm by sure... making some concessions, it might be that they can, at the, in the end, say, well, 99% of our developers are happy with us. Yeah. Or 99.9% of our developers are happy with or, us, with or our whatever. arrangement. Whatever. Yeah. Um, it's that that's going to run and run. Um, I no doubt Bart will discuss it at great length on his show um, in a few yes. days. Um, I don't really want to get into it too much. It, it, there are minor changes and they're fairly technical and a lot of developers are saying you haven't really given anything away. So um, there we are. Um, and that's pretty much it for the Apple stories. I had a couple more, but we've killed them because they weren't really very important and uh, we don't want the show to go on forever and ever. So um, <laughs> we'll we'll push on, shall we? Uh, this one is... a. Uh, Again, only a short story. Toyota suspends its self-driving buses after Paralympic Games accident, where, um, unfortunately, um, a Paralympian who has um, visual problems, is partially sighted, um, was struck by a self-driving bus at, uh, I believe, at a crosswalk or zebra crossing, as we would know it in the UK. Um, Toyota have apologised and immediately suspended the use of the self-driving buses. Um, Several Japanese news outlets have identified the victim as the Japanese Paralympic judoka uh, Arimitsu... I should probably ask Weihan to pronounce that. (laughs) Kitsuzonu. Japanese enough to... No, anyway. anyway. (laughs) Aramitsu Kitazono. That's probably horribly mangled. Sorry to, uh, yeah, sorry to him. Uh, Who is visually impaired. Um, The bus was turning right at a T intersection when the athlete entered a pedestrian crosswalk. Um, There were operators providing backup support for the bus, but he was struck by the bus, uh, which was moving at one to two kilometres an hour. So we're not talking about, you know... Uh, he was left with bruises but conscious and taken to a nearby medical clinic. Um, no one on the I th- bus I think, was hurt. I think this comment's a little bit further down is a little bit um, a little bit disingenuous. It says autonomous vehicles continue to display glaring safety problem that can affect the world. That's a little bit taking it a little bit far. Well, I think I they're think. Point, I think they're talking about like uh, Tesla's running into ambulances, but um, you could yeah, you know. but. Quite often, a lot of these things, when they actually come to investigate them, are the fault of something else rather mm. than the actual 
automation itself. Uh, I'm not saying automation is perfect because it's not yet. Uh, and I believe Tesla's vehicles all still say that quite yeah. clearly. Yeah, that in, this is in, not a finished product. Um, what else is not perfect? Right, drive uh, driver is not perfect. Human driver is not perfect. Either. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just think yeah, if you're not careful, you go a little bit over the top with this. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sad that this guy's got injured in any way, shape, or form. Uh, you know, but hopefully, um, it means that they're that they'll more so that it won't happen again. Yeah, I mean, it sounds to me. And obviously, I'm completely projecting here. I have no further knowledge than what I've read. Um, but it sounds to me like the bus was turning in, you know, at the junction. And bear in mind that this guy is, you know, visually impaired. He stepped out yes, onto so a crosswalk. Bearing in mind as well that electric vehicles are often almost silent. Um, yeah. And he could have well just stepped out, not being aware that it was coming. And, you know, it struck him at one to two kilometres per hour. So I suspect it was doing its best to stop and um, couldn't stop in the distance. You know, these things happen. Um, it's very sad, well, but, you know. One of the problems I have with uh, road design is putting crossings at junctions. Um, and it seems to be a, you know, a recent thing where they'll put you know, pedestrian crossings on roundabouts, uh, right at the, you know, right at the access points, um, which means the driver, okay, there's no, no driver in this vehicle on this occasion, but it's, you know, the driver's having to look out for people crossing the crossing and also for traffic entering and leaving the, the roundabout. And some of it's down to road design. Um, yeah. But yeah, the technology technology's too, too, new, too new early in development, really. The, the trouble with the trouble with um, self driving is it's so complex mm -hmm. that um, you just have to keep pushing on with it. I, I, I reckon. I think some people think we'll never get there. I, I genuinely believe we will eventually have systems that are relatively safe. I'm never going to say that they'll never ever make a mistake, but the fact is, humans make mistakes all the while. Oh yeah, humans uh, actually we're, we're humans learn. We're constantly, yeah, we're constantly injuring one another and uh, humans and, and, and killing one another on the roads. Um, fortunately, not often as bad terrible as we once drivers. were. But, no, but because yeah. we've improved the technology, not because people are better drivers. You know. Well, that's yeah. In many ways, that's true as well. Uh, but, uh, don't get me wrong. I, I think they've done the right thing, suspending them uh, until they've sorted out what happened. But I mean, like a lot of the Tesla stories, when you actually dig into them. Um, are because whoever it was who was in charge of the cut vehicle was doing something stupid or irresponsible or <laughs> sitting, sitting in the back of the car reading a paper where the yeah, car's driving yeah. itself. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know, I suspect in this case that a visually impaired athlete, you know, mistakenly stepped in front of a almost silent bus, which probably wasn't going very fast, and it was simply unable to stop in the distance available to it. I don't know that for a fact. But I suspect that's a highly likely cause of the accident. And um, yeah, it's probably a slight over exaggeration, I think, in the reporting. Probably yeah. he probably um, just got he probably just got pushed one side or whatever. Wide. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, know, with, if you don't know for sure whether if you get struck by a ton of metal, even going at one kilometre an hour, it's going to hurt. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's going it's going to hurt. So you know, he probably got bounced and hit the ground. I'm not, 
you know, and I'm very sorry to hear it, but um, this is not exactly a terrible, tragic disaster. And I think you're right. They're right to suspend it and apologise and look into it. And if it turns out, it's just one of those. I mean, as I say, these vehicles are almost silent. People have said for some time, you know, perhaps electric vehicles should have a an external kind of sound generator of some mm. type to, you know, make people aware yes, they're and, approaching. And in all honesty, the vast majority do. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 there's been big calls for for them to have sound, but they do. They all, they nearly all make noise. Yeah, at low speeds, they don't need to make noise at high speeds because no, they, you can hear them coming a mile away. <laughs> well, you, yeah, because of tire rumble and air noise and yeah, that's anything right. else. That's right. Um, but almost every well, every vehicle I've had, so I've had three electric cars now, and they all make a noise at low speed. Um, and in all honesty, I've been in car parks where petrol cars have gone past me and I've not heard them. Yeah, yeah, modern petrol so, cars um, don't, you know, if they're driven... They make almost no noise themselves. So uh, we need a rule for all vehicles, not just electric ones, um, uh, so that they, it makes it more safer for people who are, are disabled. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah, either so. that or you need to separate the pedestrian and the, the cars, right? Ideally. Yes, ideally yeah. you can go away from one another, but I mean, in practicality, that's not probably going to happen, yeah. is it? it? It probably need to have some kind of um, new kind of thinking and a new type of city, you know. Yes, uh, yeah. agreed. The, yep. if, we, if we want to put the self-driving car in, on an existing road, things like this is bound to be uh, bound to happen. Right? Whether it is, um, uh, the question is whether if all cars on the road would the number of accident uh, in 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 general would it uh, fall or would it rise? Right? Yes, and 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 that's the measure everyone should be using. But of course, they're not. What yeah. uh, when you actually read the stories, it's ele- uh, um, automated vehicles shouldn't injure anybody ever, yeah. and uh, is- so they hold electric uh, autonomous cars to a higher level than they do. Yeah people yeah but it's already on a higher level that's what that's what i'm saying right yes it is yeah you're yeah. Right. absolutely right yes I, it's I, already safer to have autonomous vehicles than it I, is not i yeah. totally agree and actually the other thing that people don't tend to take into account is sometimes when there are accidents with autonomous vehicles it's often you know caused by a human error so, for example, um, a story we had some time ago was that uh, the accident reports for a lot of autonomous uh, vehicles, I think in California, was the autonomous vehicle being rear-ended by a driver behind it. because attentiveness, yeah. Well, because autonomous vehicles, when they approach a roundabout, approach it a lot more cautiously than a lot of um, human drivers do. So what you've yeah. got is an autonomous vehicle which slows right down at the junction to make sure it's clear before moving on, whilst the person behind it assumes it's going to do like most human drivers, glance left or right, whichever way your traffic system works, and continue on, at, you know, and then like slow down to maybe 20 miles an hour, see that nothing is coming, and then accelerate away again. Well, you know, autonomous vehicles tend to be more cautious than that, so... The person behind assumes it's going to accelerate, puts his foot down, and oh no, it's slowing down still. Bang! Oops! There we go. Being uh, being a great advocate of electric vehicles, I of course this week went on a supercar blast. 
<laughs> which was quite good fun. Um, uh, I went up to Stafford to what I think probably used to be an old air, um, a runway for, you know, a, a smaller um, air, airport yeah. of some sort um, and uh, drove a um, uh, Aston Martin V8 Vantage. Oh, nice. Very, very quickly up and down, up and down this runway uh, 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 three or four times, which was quite fun. I must admit, it's also very noisy because it was the only car that was uh, open top. Um, it was a convertible. And and yeah, it made a lot of noise. It was good fun. Oh, <laughs> Just sure for a change. Just for a change. Exactly. Uh, OK, what else have we got? Let's move on. Um, I'll just mention this. Apps for GNOME site aims to improve discovery of the project's best application. Um, this is the register. Apparently, the GNOME project is uh, creating effectively a site which will point you at what are considered the best applications for GNOME. If you're a, a GNOME uh, user, that's obviously um, an environment for Linux. Um, I don't think we should be using I think it's very unfair on gnomes. Yeah. Poor gnomes. Poor gnomes. Leave them alone. Leave the gnomes alone to tend their mushrooms or whatever they do. Anyway. Yeah, whatever gnomes do. Whatever gnomes do. Um, There we are. Dig gardens and things. Anyway, that's by the (laughs) (laughs) book. Glass photo app review. The design need work, but the mission is clear. That's on Petapixel. That's the glass that uh, we've talked about and Jim has already rejected as not worth the cash. Um, how that will plan out. Not in the current state, anyway. Yeah, exactly. In its current state, that may change. Um, there we are. So there's a review of that on Petapixel. Um, oh, this one. I like this one. I like this one. Google channels Johnny Ive in ad promoting the Pixel 5a with headphone jack on Mac Rumors. Um, and I've watched this. In the white room? Yeah, I've watched this. It is very, very funny. Um I don't know why they've decided to do it now because Johnny's been gone for what a couple of years more anyway. But it's very very funny. Um, it's called oh, the circle. It's called the circle reimagined, and they they do it in a very Johnny Ive manner and like you know with a lot of hyperbole, <laughs> uh, announcing uh, basically that it's got a headphone jack. And also it's quite amusing because the as far as I can tell, the five A is the only pixel in the range which actually has a headphone jack. None of the others do. Oh, they're, right. they're the same as, you know, Samsung and Apple. They've dropped their headphone jack ages ago. But um, it, it's a good watch. And it, it really oh, is, um, you know, it focuses. It does all that stuff with circles being drawn and concentrically expanding and contracting and, <laughs> you know, bits of zooming in on the headphone jack, or, you know, all that sort of thing. It, it's very, very much a send-up of the Johnny Ive. Imagine the perfect white, you know, blah, blah, blah. It, it's whatever. It's it's very funny. If for no other reason than it is a good spoof. Um, and uh, link to that obviously in the show notes. Uh, this one also intrigued me. The Mozilla blog. Why are hyperlinks blue? Um, which is a. So hist- I had a I had a I had a quick look at the a read on this, and it's not actually telling you why they're blue. It's just telling you where the blue came from. Yes. Why, right? Well, well, basically, it, it, it says, why effectively, why are hyperlinks blue? And it talks about early hyperlinks were made mostly for, um, you know, black and white interfaces of early systems. And one of the yes. first things that they did was, you know, people started to use underlines or some, um, some operating systems would basically highlight it with a box around it. Um, yes. It goes on. 
through various things, it would appear, as far as we can tell, uh, that Mosaic introduced blue for linking um, and a sort of brownie red for links that had been clicked. I remember that well. And um, it then seems blue yeah. had become a very popular colour in, in interfaces of the time, like Windows uh, 3 started using blue as a highlight. And uh, then basically everybody just stuck with blue as <laughs> default link. Yeah. So it, it's not really why a hyperlink's blue. It's more like uh, when did blue hyperlinks become the norm? Yes. <laughs> and also, it's also a case of how, you know, it just became accepted. It's just become part of the zeitgeist. Um, after Mosaic, yes. everybody started saying, well, Mosaic used blue. People are used to using blue, so we use blue. I also suspect that once um, Microsoft started using blue uh, links, that that was, you know, burned in for uh, pretty much uh, yeah, the default. So. so the the first um, uh, first most popular whatever that is using that convention that gets it popularized, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And um, basically, Mosaic, I believe, started it. I remember using Mosaic, and the links were all blue, and therefore everybody copied it, and then it just becomes the default. There's no reason for it to be blue, particularly. Yeah. yeah. If they chose back in the back in know, the day when when. Hyperlink the text for hyperlinks, you could see the individual pixels. Yes, <laughs> yeah, pretty oh, much. Bless, I remember those days. Um, so you know the... what I'm impressed about the article, it actually listed the the browser, my, my first ever uh browser that I've ever used, and that is uh called Cello. Cello, oh, Cello. oh right, Cello. Interesting. 1994 Cello version 1. Yep, Cello, um, which I believe may have morphed into something else later. I don't recall. No, um, it, it was, um, it, it, uh, um, I think it was uh, abandoned at some point. Right. The, the same year um, Netscape came out and then that become a sensation. Indeed. And as they say here, um, Netscape, Use the same visual language as Mosaic, blue hyperlinks with a grey background. And there you go. They're, you know, two of the biggest. Uh, once Mosaic, yeah. you know, uh, Netscape started using blue, then Internet Explorer started using blue, and then that's it. The, the, the zeitgeist is set. So there we go. But if you want to read more about that in more depth, there's a link to uh, the Mozilla blog explaining that. Um, yes, if you're old enough, it's um, a trip down memory lane. Yes, it is. So, uh, we're going to move on to security and privacy before we wrap up quickly, because time is pressing on. Um, T-Mobile security is awful, says the hacker who stole data from 50 million customers. That's on uh, on Mac Rumors. He would, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yes, as they say. Well, he would, wouldn't he? Um, or they, assuming and we we're making an assumption here. But... Um, that it's a, a yes. you know male person may not be he, however she, them, he, she they they them persons unknown personal persons unknown as they like to say in police reports um well they would and if you're interested in reading what that is about that's over at mac rumors but there, there are links to that story all over the place um i should tell them to uh, fix the problems <clears throat> 
Yeah, exactly. Well, of course, often, you know, with some of these sort of white slash grey hat hackers, that's actually what they're doing. And although mm. they did put the bloody, they did put the data out on the dark web, so they're not that um, white. Um, yeah. They're just oh. saying it's T-Mobile's fault because their security is awful. Um, whereas a white hat, a, you know, a true white hat would have breached it, stolen it, and then said to T-Mobile, I've stolen all this data, here's the proof, hire me to fix your problem. There we go. Yes. Um, poor old Windows is getting a kicking again on um, on the security front. The Razor Mouse software bug easily grants Windows admin privileges to anyone. Um, this makes an, this uses an exploit in the uh, Windows install wizard. So if you plug in a Razor Mouse or keyboard, um, it uses the wizard to install a, a proprietary piece of um, software, which is used to do the color patterns and things that these kind of products have. You know, they have LEDs in them, and so you can make them pulse red and green and blue and various other things. Um, apparently, there's an exploit in that, and you can uh, escape to the PowerShell, which uh, then gives you admin privileges. Um, oh dear. I think Dougie... I think Dougie pointed this out in the Slack initially um, and said, you know, if it uses the install wizard, it's probably not only going to be uh, Razor. Um, Steel series have also uh, been discovered to be, can be exploited in the same way, according to Gizmodo. And uh, that probably means a whole load of other uh, peripherals can probably be uh, exploited in the same manner when they run the when they run the install wizard. Um, which is not. <laughs> you can imagine it, can't you? Going through security and saying, "Hold on, hold on, hold on. What's this razor mouse here then?" Yeah. Um, <laughs> what are you up to? <laughs> I've read. Yeah. yeah I have. What's new? <laughs> yeah, and I have. I have also read somewhere that um, the the mouse itself isn't required; just the receiver. Um, I'm not sure if that's true, right. but I think I read somewhere. You know, the little the wireless yes, thing, the that, little dongle that yeah. you plug in. If you plug that in, it will assume that you are installing a Razer mouse and um, still running. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're right. Oi, what's all this here? You got a Razer mouse in your pocket, mate. Um, you're not coming in. That's an offensive. Yeah, I'm sorry. Woman. We're going to have to. We're going to have to put you in this room and not let not let you near a computer at all. But. Um, I have no doubt that now that's come to light, there will be uh, more stories about uh, that being exploited. I'm pretty sure, I think I read in one of the stories that Windows, uh, Microsoft said they were going to do their best to patch it ASAP. Um, right. So is, 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 it a US, is it a USB vulnerability or is well, it no, the specifically it's, to do with the... It's to do with the Windows install wizard. And oh, right, okay. Whilst... Um, what does it actually say in this story on Slash Gear? Um, yeah, plug and play peripherals just work when plugged in. This usually involves a program which automatically runs in order to download and install device drivers. This is used by almost all reputable Windows accessories, um, which suggests that this particular zero-day vulnerability will not be exclusive to Razer alone. Um, Razer's Synapse software installer makes it too easy to exploit the process. Um, this is the application that allows you to configure your Razer hardware advanced features such as remapping keys, buttons, um, etc, etc. Um, plug a Razer mouse or dongle. Windows update will download and ex execute the Razer installer as system. Abuse Elevated Explorer to run PowerShell by pressing Shift and right-click. 
Um, oh, okay, so it's only it's only the installer in configuration with this signups. Yes, well, uh, but St- Steel Series apparently have now been shown to have the same problem. It's it. Oh, the they're po- presumably using the same installer then, or something similar for signups. The yeah. point the point is that the that the wind uh, the installer wizard runs as admin. So if you can break out of that um, into the PowerShell, which is the equivalent of the terminal, yes. you have you are automatically running with system level privileges. So there you go. Um, when I was working for Seven Trend, that was quite fun. <laughs> you know that 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 exploit sounds like uh, someone left a debug uh, debug mode inside the the OS. Right. Uh, I, yeah, who knows? Who Possibly. knows? Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> another one, poor another poor one for Microsoft. Azure Cosmos database alert: This critical vulnerability puts users at risk. This was on ZNet. Um, if you are running no SQL databases on the Azure cloud, the chances are you're using Cosmos DB. And if this is you, you are in trouble. Microsoft has admitted that this newly discovered critical vulnerability named Chaos DB enables intruders to read, change, and delete your database. Um, wow. I've never heard of Azure Cosmos DB. No, well, you're, you know, you're not running databases in the Azure cloud, are you? But um, <laughs> no, it apparently, apparently, it's big. It's a big thing. Um, well, yeah, because Azure is, is yeah, Microsoft's big cloud thing, isn't it? Uh, it gives Azure users full admin access to read, write, and delete another customer's Cosmos DB instances with no authorization. There is a trivial exploit which does not require previous access to the target and impacts thousands of organizations. Oh, Apparently, dear. it's very trivial, and it uses the Cosmos DB Jupyter Notebook. Um, there we go. Uh, right. To patch this hole, you must regenerate and rotate your primary rewrite Cosmos DB keys for each impacted Azure Cosmos DB account, which is easy enough. And Microsoft claims that while this vulnerability is bad news, you do not have to worry too much about it. Um <laughs> There we go. So it's sort of... Um, uh, it's not going to worry any of us because none of us are working for a business. That no, exactly. Your, uh, <laughs> agreeing that Microsoft's security took immediate access to fix the problem and has disabled the vulnerability feature within 48 hours of being told about it, the researchers point out that this vulnerability has been exploitable for months and every Cosmos DB customer should ex- uh, should assume that they may have been exposed. So uh, another whoops, you know. Another whoops there. Well, they come more and more. Poor old, you know, and I'm pretty sure, I'll be fair, I'm sure Microsoft get the worst of it because, you know, they are pretty much the biggest um, you know, the biggest yeah. market out there. And therefore, but that one sounds a rather um, a bit of a whoopsie. Uh, the other one that I read, which I haven't got a link to, is apparently the um, Taliban um, propaganda channel were using um, an Amazon uh, cloud is it uh whatever the Amazon cloud thing is to serve up their unpleasant propaganda, despite obviously Amazon ought to know better than allowing such a thing. But I'm mm. sure they I'm sure they didn't sign in as we are the Taliban. You know? <laughs> no, they probably didn't, no. No. Um so right. even if they sign in as we are the Taliban, uh you'll probably uh, probably be written in Arabic or something, right? Mm. <laughs> Indeed. Um this this one is on VentureBeat and is worth a read. Um, it, it's a, also a bit of a, a, a really 
Um, we underestimated IoT security. Let's not make the same mistake with robotics. Um, and well, yeah, that's a very sen- it's a very sensible piece. It's well worth a read. And basically, it says, look, we allowed a whole load of IoT stuff to go out without any sensible security. And look what happened when we start deploying robots. You know, let's not make the same mistakes. The robotics. Well, I mean, be... there are robot. There are robots already out there. I mean, maybe not in most people's homes, but there are robots already out there, and probably their security isn't what it should be. So I think we've pro- that's probably what's the phrase? Closing the stable door after the horse has bolted. Well, I, I think. Uh, I, I think. I I I do partly are they, agree are they talking with that. about human? Are they talking about humanoid robots? They're just talking about right. robots in general, rather. I mean, they do talk about robots in factories, you know, that assemble things and all that sort of thing. But they're not yeah. normally, you know, commonly exposed. They're talking about as robotics no. become no. ever more common and, you know, people start having things like Roomba vacuum cleaners and whatnot. Don't, yes. Don't oh, allow sure there them. are security holes in all yeah. of those. <laughs> yeah. Don't, <laughs> you know, likely. let's not do the IoT thing and allow them to become a massive attack surface, basically. Um, yeah, I would, I would say IoT includes robotics so yeah possible already so yeah i think robotics uh does not necessarily uh fall under iot but in order for it to be a a security concern it has to be iot right yes and i mean in in the article they're already nicknaming it the iort the internet of of robotic robotic things things. So yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, seems a bit of a mo- seems a bit of a moot point, but it's fair. It's a fair point to point it out. We, yes. we really should be taking security more seriously on and these that's, things. Yes, uh, and as they become more <coughs> in our homes, we want them to be secure. So, yeah, yeah, but yeah. but uh, my point is um, the my point is that um, it's not to say that you know it, it's framing it in an interesting way, but the the actual uh, message should be right. If we build more feature, more automation, more uh, robotic-like things into IoT, we we should be more concerned, right? Yes. But the the if we look at it that way, and you know, it has become it it suddenly has become a um um like like what you say the um you know you you can't close the barn door when the the horse has you know bolted out from the barn right <laughs> that's right yeah it, it is already in that state it's just that you know if we are going to build more um you know robotic like feature into our iot stuff then you know things might be a bit you know, <laughs> a bit more, iffy uh, dangerous right Indeed, that's right. Yeah, indeed, I think so. Okay, so uh, are we talking about that? Are we talking about that IoT company, um, Skynet? Was it? Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> the one. Yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so we're going to push on to the end now. Worth a chirp. Uh, I think this one came from Donny. Lego Build and Talk Adventures focus on online safety, safety and privacy. Um. This is an initiative by uh, Lego, Um, obviously. Lego has launched a new story-style adventure to help families talk about online safety and privacy. The Build and Talk series helps parents give conversation with kids about online topics, and the latest one focuses on privacy and safe sharing. So, you know, well done. Well done, Lego. Good on Lego. Good old Lego. 
um, and the link to that is the Brick Fan, apparently. Um, not a I'm familiar with, but I'm not a huge Lego person. So thank you for that one, Donny. Um, and I've got a couple here in the Just a Snippet. Um, Apple has got a 204 billion problem, quote unquote, costing it a fortune. Um, this is from the Investors Business Daily. And all I have to say about that one is... Give me a break. <laughs> because I've I've read this, I've read this, and actually what it says is, oh, Apple's got all this short-term cash and um, securities on hand, and most of them are in, you know, in the treasury, and that's only returning 0.8% or something at the moment, and they could they could do more with it. Um, in other words, make more money for us as investors. So, uh, really, <laughs> <laughs> and wait. Uh, it is from Investors Business Daily, so what do you expect? I mean, yes, they, exactly. They get, exactly. They're going to want them to make more money, aren't they? Because they're investors. Yeah. Don't don't <laughs> don't keep a load of cash. We want you to, you know, blow it all. Um, you should buy back more stock and all this sort of thing. Well, and Apple. What did Apple recently announce? A hundred hundred billion buyback or something? I mean, whatever. There you go. Um. And finally, uh, this one's from Hypebeast, and I think the name of the site probably says it all. Apple Car could be introduced later this year. And we've talked about that early, and I will say... Give me a break. What a 42-carat plonker you really are! <laughs> because... No way. There we are. Um, <laughs> but you can, you can read this uh, thing, which uh, is on Hypebeast, and says... Uh, amidst the rumours which have surfaced, there are some that believe an Apple car could be introduced later this year. It's a bloody non-article, but I just, yeah. I just thought what I'd I stick like, it in. Yeah, what whatever. Like what I like about the the article is that it includes an illustration of the Apple car that looks like uh, the the yeah. magic mouse. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The whole thing looks like a, a yeah an Apple mouse on wheels. Uh, it's not the first yeah. one I've seen like that, but that was probably the most mouse-like one I've seen, um, which is probably the best yeah, bit I about can, the article, actually. <laughs> I, I can imagine an American uh, a cop coming up to that car and tapping on the window, and when they wind the window down, saying, "I think your tint might be a little bit on the on the on the dark side, on the strong <laughs> side." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oi. And of course, apparently, this one, as far as I can see, has no lights either. So you know, don't drive right. it at night. <laughs> It's a you know I know it's a funny image. It's just meant to represent some sort of Apple-esque garb. But there we go. That's that's it. Really, that's that's all. And we've been going quite a long time, so I think we should wrap it up now. So, um, Weihan, where can people find you around the internets? Um, usually Weihan in most of the places. Uh... So just search for Weihan, basically. Yeah, just search for Weihan. Right, that's fine. <laughs> Uh, Jim, where can people find you? Uh, on Flickr as Orme. Oh, I won't go back into the closed brackets, open brackets uh, from last week again. Um, <laughs> Link in the show on notes. Vimeo. Yeah, maybe in the show notes. And uh, the Slack group. Jolly good. Uh, Nick? Uh, Spligosh on Twitter, S P L I G O S H. And uh, you can hear me on Bot Show occasionally and uh, in the Slack group. And, of course, links to your church service, hopefully with working microphones. Uh, yeah, this week, we, did, we didn't actually broadcast it this week at all. <laughs> but, yeah, last week I made a mistake and there, were no, no, there was no sound. We were just miming the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
There you go. Never mind. These things happen. We know. I know plenty about not pressing record. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Done that a few times, much to my embarrassment. Um, and did you press record today? <laughs> I did indeed. I did indeed, Jim. Don't you worry about that. Anyway, <laughs> you can find me on the Twitter as at Serenak, S-E-R-E-N-A-K. The show tweets as at Essential Apple. Um, of course, our website is EssentialApple.com. Um, thanks as ever to people who support us by retweeting or, you know, telling their friends about us or just not telling their friends how rubbish we are, really. Um, you know, if you want to send us money, <laughs> wine, beer, whiskey, whatever, feel free. Uh, you know, links on the in the show notes through uh, Patreon and so on. And uh, I guess we'll call it a show. So until next time, we'll all say goodbye. Goodbye. Cheerio. Bye. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar, where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. Looking for a show that talks about Apple and Apple products? Then Geekiest Show Ever is for you. What about Amazon? Google. Geekiest Show Ever is for you. Mesh networks, distance learning, all kinds of technology, interviews. Yes, Geekiest Show Ever covers that too. I'm Elisa Paselli. And I'm Melissa Davis. Listen to the Geekiest Show Ever on the MyMac Podcasting Network in your favorite podcast player. Feedback, show ideas, and reviews, always welcome. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you next time.